He is risen. Oh, you're out of practice. He is risen. He is risen. Outstanding. That's what we should be saying. That's what we should be responding to. Now, repeat after me this phrase. It is finished. It is finished. It is finished. No, that's not the end of my sermon. I know you were hoping for that, but... He is risen, and it is finished. Two, three-word phrases that are brought together and connected by this shared thought. Jesus wins. Jesus wins. That's what this day is about. That's what we come together to celebrate is Jesus' victory But it's so important that when we say Jesus wins that we keep those other two phrases in mind. He is risen and it is finished. Because these two things tie together the cross and the empty tomb. And both are essential for us to fully embrace what it is that Jesus has done for us. And the new life that he has called us into. And no place in scripture captures this better for me than Paul's letter to the church at Colossae. Colossians chapter 2. Let me read to you these verses, starting at verse 13, and hear the beautiful imagery that Paul puts in place to capture Jesus' victory. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive With Christ, he forgave us all our sins. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them On the cross. He is risen. It is finished. Jesus wins. What does that mean? What does it mean that it's truly finished? Well, we need to look back to the cross and see what it is that Jesus has done there to fully understand what is finished. Well, number one, sin is finished. Sin is finished. Now don't get me wrong, I didn't say that we are done sinning. We're still sinners. But sin itself is finished because we are now forgiven. Jesus has offered forgiveness to us and sin is finished. We are forgiven of what we do to ourselves and what we do to others. Its power is broken. Anger, jealousy, hatred, prejudice, racism, selfishness, greed, vengeance, lying, stealing, judging, guilt, and shame. All of those are under the banner of sin. And Jesus has taken all of that and nailed it to the cross. It is finished. That's good news. Sin is finished, but so is evil. Evil is finished 
2. We are set free from the demonic powers that wish to enslave us. Now, when people hear that, they go, wait a minute, are you saying that demons are real? Are you saying that there's a spiritual realm that we can't see that is real? Absolutely. Absolutely there is. There is an unseen realm that is every bit as real as you or me sitting here today. And there are evil forces at work in that realm that wish to do you harm, want to enslave you to things like addiction, to things like idolatry, to manipulate you, coerce you, and cause you to do damage towards others. Yes, those powers are very real. But on the cross, that power has been disarmed. Disarmed. The power switch has been shut off. They no longer have rule over you. They're still very real, but they don't dominate you anymore. Because evil is finished. And finally, death is finished. Now this one takes a little bit more explaining. <laughs> because the reality of it is, every one of us is going to face death someday. Whether it's today or tomorrow or a week from now or a year from now or 50 years from now, every one of us will face a physical death. But here's the thing. The physical finish line is no longer the end of the game. It's not game over. Death has been conquered. How do we know? Because the tomb is empty. Now this seems strange to us because if you were here on Good Friday, and if we remember the Good Friday story, Jesus dies, yes? And what looked like game over for Jesus, we now understand was really game over for sin, evil, and death. That is what was judged. That is what was finished. We know this for sure because he is risen. That is how we tie together what it is that Jesus has done and what it is that he continues to do for us. It's game over. Now, I don't know if any of you were children of the 70s or 80s or somewhere in that time and, and remember some of the very first video games, things like Pong and Space Invaders and Donkey Kong and some of those early arcade games, we can almost hear the sounds in our mind, can't we, of what it's like when it's game over. Game over, right? We remember the sounds, we remember the images, but I don't know if you were like me, but I used to hang around the arcade every once in a while, and the thing for me was, you always walked around on seeing those games and the empty ones, and you always had to go over and push the start button just once, didn't you? Even if you didn't have a quarter in your pocket, you had to go over and hit the start button just once, because you never knew if maybe somebody left one credit on there and they forgot about it. And every once in a while, you'd punch that button and a new game would start. It was game on. It went from game over to game on. Listen, 
It is finished means game over for sin, evil, and death. And if it means game over, then he is risen means game on. He is risen. risen Jesus wins. And that means game on. Game on. What looked like game over is now game on for you and for me and for everyone who puts their trust in Jesus. It's a new life. Friends, there's an old life that Jesus is calling you out of into something New, a new life he is calling you into. And that life will always be marked by the cross. You see, we don't go past the cross. We don't forget the cross. We cling to the cross. As a matter of fact, Jesus still points us to the cross. He took to his disciples and told them, if you want to follow me, take up your cross and follow me. We don't let go of the cross, but we understand what the cross means now. The cross means game over. It means game over for our old life. It means game over for the old ways that we used to function and think. It means game over for the power that used to have us enslaved to sin. It means game over for those things. And we have to go back to the cross and be reminded of that over and over again. Why? Because we still sin. We're still going to mess up. We still live in a broken world, and we are part of that brokenness. 
So we don't forget the cross. We understand what it is finished means. And we carry the cross in us. The cross is a constant reminder that our old game of life is over. However, it's not a life that we live in the tomb. The new life he has called us into is not found in the tomb. You see, the resurrection means we will always carry the cross in our hearts, but we should never spend our life in the tomb. And here's the thing. This last year has been hard. Yeah? It's been hard. And many of us have felt like we have been in a tomb. In fact, many of us have fashioned a tomb for ourselves. We've been cut off, closed off, and separated from one another. It's been dark. It's been depressing. It's been frustrating. We've been confined into small spaces and interacting with one another through flat screens. And you may have even become comfortable in this self-made tomb. You may have decorated it. You may have bought some new furniture to put into it, put a new coat of paint on the walls, stacked up boxes from Amazon. Yeah, I know, I get it. But here's the thing. That's not the life that God has called us into. You see, when the announcement is made by the angel who sits on top of that stone, he says, the one you're looking for isn't here. Come and see where he lay. And now go to Galilee where he's going ahead of you because that's where he'll meet you. Because that's where your new life is. It's not in the tomb. And believe me, every one of us has struggled in the tomb this year. We've seen a lot of death. We've experienced a lot of pain. We've known a lot of loss. But it's time to come out of the tomb. It's time to hear the voice of Jesus who calls out to you and says, my child, I have a life for you, a new life. And it's not like the old one. It is freedom. It is hope. It is light. And it's found in me as I am found in you. It's something new. Jesus is calling you out of your tomb into his new life. And here's the promise that he gives us. He will meet you there. He will meet you in this new life. You don't have to go back to the tomb again. And there will be a temptation when you are done here today to have been a part of this celebration and then go right back to the old tomb where you used to be. You don't have to go back there. You can live fully into this new life because Jesus is calling you into it. 
And he's calling you to meet him there and to meet him here. Because every time we meet together here and every time we come to celebrate what he has done on the cross for us at his table, it's a victory celebration. It's a celebration of what Jesus has done because Jesus wins and Jesus won and he continues to win. And we are invited to celebrate with him. And this is beautifully pictured in this last verse from Colossians 2.15. I'll read it for you again. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. If that imagery seems a little bit confusing, let me describe it for you. In Roman times, when Rome went in and conquered a people, they had a celebration parade. And the parade included those whom they had conquered in chains parading in front of them and behind them and then the legions marching in victory and the lead general or Caesar, whoever it might have been, standing in victory as those along the way cheered and jeered at the losers. Now that's a picture of earthly power. And it's not a pretty picture. But for Jesus, it's a different story. Because those things that are in chains now are the things that used to have you in chains. Addiction, depression, anger, jealousy, frustration, all of those things that have bound you, you are freed from Because Jesus has won. And the victory celebration is something we celebrate every time we come together. It's not a victory we could have won for ourselves. It's only a victory that Jesus could have won for us. And so we get together and we cheer and we shout and we cry. And we laugh and we clap and we sing and we pray And we get reminded of the story again and again and again because I need reminding that Jesus wins. And then we have a victory feast because that too was a part of the victory. To have a feast, to feast together and celebrate the victory. We're going to do that in just a few minutes here at the table But there's a song that gets sung as a part of the liturgy. And some of you might not be familiar with this at all. That's okay. For others, you may recognize this. But it's such powerful words, and it's something that gets me every time I get to sing it or be a part of it. So let me just sing to you the opening line of it today. And it goes like this. This is the feast of victory for our God. Hallelujah. It's a victory celebration and a victory song, friends. A victory that Jesus has won and a feast that we get to celebrate in together. And the invitation to that feast is here right now. And it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter where you have come from. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter anything about your past because your past has been dealt with on the cross. It is 
finished. The future can begin right now, right here. Let's accept that invitation and let's pray. Heavenly Father, you won the victory for us through your Son, Jesus Christ. And when his life ended on the cross, it was the end of our life too. And we look to that cross and Jesus' words saying it is finished every time a temptation comes our way, every time we, we get trapped in guilt or in sin or in shame, we come back to the cross and we declare, Jesus, what you declared to us, that it is finished. You have taken care of it. You have fixed it permanently, Lord. You have brought the cure to the disease that has killed us, Lord. It's finished. And now, Jesus... You have invited us into a victory celebration that starts on this side of eternity and continues on forever. A celebration that we get to participate in. A party that we didn't plan, but one that you planned for us. A table widespread. A new kingdom table where there's room for everyone to come and share in this feast. And Father, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would move in hearts today and you would let that invitation be spoken clearly into the hearts of anybody today who is wondering whether or not they get to participate, who's wondering, is this really for me? Could it really be that good? Could you really love me that much, Lord? The answer is yes. Yes, you do, Lord. Yes, you have, Lord. Yes, you will, Lord. Because, Jesus, you have won. Help us, Lord, to accept that invitation to your table today and every day that it is open for us. Because you have opened the way. We never have to go back to the tomb again, Lord. We will meet you where you meet us in a new life. A resurrection life filled with the same power that rose you from the dead, Jesus. We live into that promise today. We accept that invitation. We step into that victory. And we do it all with grateful hearts and thanksgiving for your amazing grace that we didn't earn, but is poured out on us today. We pray these things, Jesus, today in your name. Amen.